All right. Usually we, we, we uh, keep our, we deal with different themes every month. Uh, this month is different. As I said last week, we're going to serve you buffet this month. Okay, so it's different. It's different symbols for different Sundays. However, last week Sunday, we didn't complete our sermon. So I'd love to complete the sermon. We've got lots of points. We're going to try and cover as much as we can so that we dismiss on time so that we are not late. We're using two main scriptures, Acts chapter 26 and Habakkuk chapter 2. If you can find those or else we'll have them up on the screen. We're talking about making your vision come true. Every one of us here is a man and a woman of vision. Everybody here. Because if you don't believe me, try to remember your young days. As a child, how much of a dreamer you were. You imagined things and talked about things. You told people what you wanted to become when you are older. There was just something written in your heart because I believe that vision is one of the, or rather the ability to have vision, is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us as humanity. So in Acts chapter 26, verse 12 to verse 19, Paul is standing before King Agrippa and relating his journey, his story, the story of his journey. And I'm just picking up in the middle of everything he was saying, verse 12, he says, on one such journey, I was going to Damascus with the full authority of the chief priests. While on the road at midday, King Agrippa, I saw a light from heaven shining around me and my traveling companions. That light was brighter than the sun. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice that said to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? It's hard for you to kick against a spear. Then I said, who are you, Lord? The Lord replied, I'm Jesus, whom you are harassing. Get up. Stand on your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as my servant and witness of what you have seen and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to open their eyes then they, that they turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God and receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are made holy by faith in me. Verse 19, which is my main verse. So King Agrippa, I wasn't disobedient to that heavenly vision. So whatever vision God gives us, we need to be obedient to it. Your vision might not be as expansive as that of Saul. I mean, this was a big one, very big vision. But your vision might be small in comparison to that of Paul or Saul, but nonetheless, you do have a vision. The reason we call it a heavenly vision is because it is something that comes from God. Now, in his case, his vision came in a very spectacular way, all right? He was knocked off his horse. He saw a light shining around him. He heard an audible voice speaking to him, telling him what he must do with his life. Yours might not be the same experience. It may have been just through a desire you have, Maybe you have a concern. Maybe you have a burden to fulfill certain things. It could be that when you saw something happening in a certain place, you wanted to bring a solution. Could be just a plan or a goal you have. You know, it might not be as spectacular, but nonetheless, it's a vision that you have. Every one of us here 
has a vision. It could be just for personal life. It could be for your community, for your family. Whatever the case, you have a vision, and we need to fulfill that vision. It's important. We didn't come into the world just as an afterthought. Our parents may have said when we were born, whoops, we were not expecting this one. But I'm here to tell you God was expecting you. Tell your neighbor God was expecting you. Yeah. You're not an accident. You're not a coincidence. You're not just by the way. God told Jeremiah that he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, he says, I knew you. And even before you came forth, I had sanctified you. I had sent you apart to be a prophet unto the nations. So every one of us here, we are set apart for a specific function. Like I said, it might not be an earth-shaking assignment, but no matter how small it may seem in your eyes, you have been set apart. So you're not a mistake. You're not just here just to fill space around the world. You are a person of vision. Look at your neighbor and say, I see vision. I see a person of vision right in you. All right. So let's establish that. Every one of us here, we are men and women of vision. We are visionaries. And when we have vision, we need to make sure that that vision comes to pass. In the words of Paul, we need to be obedient to the heavenly vision. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, it says, And the Lord answered and said to me, Write the vision, engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. So here's a point. Okay, we'll come to that later on. You need to write your vision. I'll revisit that. Verse 3 says, For the vision is for an appointed time, and it hastens to the end of fulfillment. It will not deceive or disappoint. Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it, because it will surely come, it will not be behindhand on its appointed day. And as I mentioned, our sisters and brothers here from Gabon, we were together at Rema because uh, Rema Ministries was celebrating 40 years. And uh, Rema was started on the 3rd of uh, June, uh, 1979. And as you all know, last month, September, 4th of September, we celebrated 36 years as a church. You know, there's something about it when you've been around for a while and you look back at the journey and, and, and then you realize that, you know, there are, there's a lot that happens in life. One of the things I noticed is that God gives people vision and it's not always that vision comes to pass for whatever reason. And I'll explain some of those reasons. And, 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 and whatever vision is, there will come to pass and there will be challenges and hurdles on the way. When I was at Rema uh, last week at celebration, I met some of our old friends, you know. But for me, what was very sad in some instances is that, you know, people we know that we all started on the same journey with several years down the line, they're no longer on that same journey. You know, and it's one thing if someone is doing something else, but it's another thing when people have kind of fallen off the tracks and they're just no longer there. You know, there's people who started a few years ago saying, God called me to be a pastor and I'm going to pastor a church for the rest of my life and, and, and 10 years down the line, they're not pastoring a church anymore for whatever reason. And, and I want to challenge every one of us today that whatever it is that God has assigned you to do, make a commitment to fulfill what God has assigned you to do. Amen? Make, make that commitment today because it's important. It's important. Helen Keller, whom, who, be, who became deaf and blind at the age of two, uh, she was an educationist and an author, once said this, and I quote, the only thing worse than being born blind is having sight but no vision. End of quote. Now many people who 
even if they have eyes to see. In fact, the late Dr. Miles Monroe was very famous of making this statement that sometimes our greatest enemy to vision is our eyes. Because, you know, we look at things around us and we see everything around us and it robs us of what could be. Because our eyes see what we are in. Our eyes see where we are. But vision is not about the here and now. Vision is about the there and then. Vision, someone says, it's a picture of a preferable future. And that's what God does when he wants to change anybody's life. God gives you a vision. And when he gives you that vision in your heart, in your mind, you start thinking about something different to where you are. You start looking beyond your circumstances. Because vision is simply the art of seeing with the invisible eye. You may be born in a background where everything around you is falling apart. And, 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 and if everything being equal, your life shouldn't amount to anything. And there are people out there who will tell you that your life ought not to amount to anything. But I'm here to tell you, we are not made by circumstances. We are made by Jehovah God who created us in his image. And we see in God's word many, many people that God found People like Gideon who came from difficult backgrounds. People like Moses who had murdered somebody. Somebody like Saul who was a serial killer. All kinds of people, God gave them vision in the same way that God has given you vision. See, vision is not about the here and now. It's about the there and then. Therefore, if you have no vision for the future, you'll end up dying today. I'm not talking about dying physically, but you die in terms of motivation. You die in terms of forward looking. You die in terms of living. There are people who wake up just to see the sunrise and the sunset. And they have no mission and no agenda what to do with their lives that day. They are watching everybody doing what they're doing and saying everybody is lucky but them. But I'm here to tell you, it's not always about luck. It's not always about being born on the right side of life. It's about you and I having a vision. Can I hear an amen? You see, vision helps us to break the barrier of limited thinking because the future belongs to those who see possibilities before they become obvious. I have a suspicion that I'm looking at people in this place who see possibilities before they become real because see, vision directs our lives. It gives guidance to our lives. So don't be pushed by circumstances. Be led by your vision. Because vision is a glimpse of your purpose. Everyone here, I want to say it again. I'm going to say it until it gets down into your heart. Everyone here has a vision for their life. Tell your neighbor, I have a vision for my life, neighbor. Tell the other neighbor, I have a vision for my life. Now, Paul talks about the vision he has. He said he was obedient to the heavenly vision. Habakkuk says the vision needs to be written down. So it means... In God's word, God is exhorting us that the vision that he gives to us, we must take it seriously. Don't play around with those desires in your heart. Don't play around with that thing that keeps on waking you up in the middle of the night. All right, Don't play around with that passion or, or that burden that you have. Don't play around with that because God is trying to move you forward. 
And therefore, for that vision to be fulfilled, there are certain things that we must do. So, let's talk about those steps. What are the steps of making vision come true? All right? I'm going to give you the main points and the, and the sub-points, okay? The main points will be number one. The sub-points will be A, B, C, and D. So, I didn't do that last week. So, some people took notes and they, they kind of wrote down what was not correct. So, point number one, define your vision. All right? Is that what we had last week? Define your vision. Is that point number one? Is that number one? How about Tom, please, in Tusing? Is that number one? Yes. All right, so define your vision, okay? You need to define your vision. It's important for us that you define what you want to do with your life, all right? Now, there are times in our lives when we're really not sure about it, okay? You may be a young person who's really not sure about it. It's okay, but, you know, even if you're not fully sure, just write down what you want to do with your life. I mean, don't be just one of those people who just wakes up in the morning and gee, you know, because, you know, people with vision, they, they kind of wake up early, you know, and they kind of organize their lives, you know, for the day. So define what you want to do with your life. Carson Pure says, a, a personal vision is a God-given perception of what God wants to do in our lives. Psalms 139 verse 3 in the New English translation reads, You carefully observe me when I travel and when I lie down to rest. You are aware of everything that I do. So decide to embrace what God wants for your life. All right? So first of all, you need to be one of those who embraces what God has for your life. So that's point A. Embrace what God wants for your life. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, Being confident of this very thing, that that which God has begun, the good work that God has begun in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So God has begun a good work in you. God has already started you in your life. B, set goals. Now that you have defined your vision, set goals. John 5.30, Jesus says, and I read the New English translation, I can do nothing of my own initiative. Just as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I don't seek my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. Make sure that the vision for your life lines up with God's will for you. It's important. See, vision is not just about you and me. It's about God who is the originator of vision. Why? Because when your vision comes from God, God will be there and committed to make sure that that vision comes to pass. So, please God and fit into God's will so that God can order your steps. One preacher who used to make this statement was very famous of that. He said, you know, oftentimes we make plans and ask God to bless them. You know, we make our plans, you know, and we just say, God bless them. He says, well, that's wrong. What we should do is we must ask God what is the plan. Yeah, and when he gives us the plan, it automatically comes with the blessing. Psalms 37 verse 23, 24 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So to decide to have a vision that pleases God when it comes to your spiritual life, your money matters, your, your family life, your personal development, relationships, community life, church involvement, have that vision. See, that's a sub point, see, see the bigger picture of your life. The good thing about vision is that when God shows you vision, oftentimes he shows you what happens at the end. Think about this. When Joseph 
saw this vision or had this dream about him ruling over his family, you know, I'm sure that Joseph thought that that was going to happen tomorrow. Just like somebody here, when you started out on your project, you said, in, in a month's time, I will have done this. Here you are several years later, you're not even halfway there. All right, so listen to this. I think because of the way God is and the way God works and because of who God is, God, God sees everything. He knows our beginning and our end and, and the way God talks to us, he, he talks to us as a finished product. He goes to Abraham who doesn't have a child. He says, I have made you a father of many nations. He even tells the guy, we change your name from Abraham to Abraham. The name Abraham means father of many nations. Can you imagine being him, you know, meeting somebody at Maponya Mall and say, hi, how are you? He says, fine. He says, what's your name? He says, I'm a father of many nations. And then he says, how many children do you have? He says, <clears throat> we haven't yet, uh, you know what I mean? But that's just the way God works. And I think because of the, the, the way God works, it confuses us because when you were praying, when God impressed it on your heart, you already saw the finished product. God shows you the bigger picture. God shows you when, you when you get to your final destination. But we all know that most of the things we dream about, most of the things we have a vision for take much longer than what we were hoping for. You know, as a young pastor, we made that mistake. You know, we're sitting in Bible school, you know. As you are listening to the teaching about, you know, how to build a church or steps to a growing church, they say step one, step two, step three, you write it down. And then I would write it down, all of us young people that say, all right, in the first month, I will do this, step one. Second month, step three. Third month, step four. And probably by the end of the year, we'll have about, you know, conservatively speaking, a hundred people in the church. Yeah, that's what we thought. Because, you know, most things look much more easier when you are sitting behind the desk. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? When you're in the lecture room, it's very easy to do it. So, so we went out into ministry and, and tried to, you know, you know, tried to apply our theory, some of us. <laughs> and then two years later, you, you have 20 people in the church. And, and even those 20 people, they are like being recycled every week. You know, it's not the same people. <laughs> So after a while, you realize it's going to take longer than what you thought. Tell your neighbor, it's going to take longer than what you thought. Yeah. So, you know, understand. But even in that, learn not to be small-minded. Have a big dream. So that you can accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. Can I hear an amen? amen. Number two, so you've written your vision down. You've, you know, you've put it down, all of that. You are clear what you want to do. And the next thing now, most important is... Make an action plan. Make an action plan. There's no vision that's going to happen if you don't get moving. All right? And I think one of the most robbing statements we make as Christians is, I'll pray about it. Anybody has ever met anybody who says, you know, you know, you know, and there's nothing wrong praying about it, but praying about it is not the same as doing it. Are you understanding? Make an action plan. Mike Maddox says, Planning is the starting point of any dream or goal that you possess. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead only to plenty, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So you need to make an action plan. All right, Planning starts with you writing down how. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to, let's give an example. I'm going to build my muscles. You can see, I don't have, anyhow, let's not get there. But you know, 
I'm going to build, I want to be, I want to be big guy, hunk of a guy, muscles, whatever, you know. It's one thing to say that, but the next question I've got to ask is how? You know, you know, you know, I, I can pray and fast for that God should supernaturally put some muscles here. You know it's not going to happen, right? So, so the, the question of how is a very important question. So, so first of all, plan B, clarify your expectations. In other words, set clear goals. Proverbs 11.23 says, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. We need to be men and women who have clear expectation. Why? Because life is a field of unlimited possibilities. So you need to be very clear about what you are expecting. C, move into implementation. Implementation forces you to turn your goals into actionable steps. Nothing happens until we take action. You know? So there's people who are praying all the time, or hoping God will, will, will help them. But action must happen. It's quite amazing when you look at how Jesus even healed people. You know, it's, it's, when, you re, when you read the Gospels, it's, it's really amazing that Jesus would always challenge people to take action. Even when they're sick. He, he prays for a guy who's been lying on a stretcher for years. The brother can't walk. And it's clear the person can't walk. Jesus comes to pray for them. You'd think Jesus would just take them by the hand and raise them. No. Jesus says, uh, uh, stand up. Take up your bed and walk. If it was some of us, we would say, how so ganja? Ganja, can't you see? You know? So Jesus wants us to take those steps. We, we've got to take steps. Because if we don't take steps, even if our plan is good, nothing is going to happen. You know, a, a good story I like reading in the book of Luke about the ten lepers. I don't know how many of you have thought about that story. Here are these ten lepers who come to Jesus asking him to heal them. All right? Now, we need to give a little bit of background for that. Leprosy in those days was considered to be an incurable disease, like, you know, or, or very infectious, highly infectious, just like Ebola. So when people had leprosy, they were quarantined. So according to the laws at the time, they were not allowed to be seen around in public because of the infectiousness of the disease. That was the first thing, all right? So them walking around in public, they were risking being stoned to death. So that was the first thing. Number two, nobody was supposed to make any physical contact with them because of how leprosy was contagious. The third thing which is very interesting was there was provision made in the law of Moses that should someone be healed of leprosy, they were to present themselves at the temple for the priest to examine them and pronounce them well. And thereafter, they were to offer a sacrifice and offer a gift for their healing. So by the person going to the temple, they were going there because they are already healed. Watch this now. Here are these 10 lepers. They come to Jesus. They ask him to have mercy on them. Jesus says to them, go show yourself to the priest. Let's decode it. Jesus is saying, you already healed. Go show yourself to the priest. Now watch what the Bible says. The Bible says, as they went, they were healed. They were not healed when they were standing there. They were not healed when they were standing there. They, they were healed as they went. So in other words, they, they put action to their vision. In the same way, you need to put action to your vision. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
Some of you, salute to Mapilla High or Rotobu Aliana, Leano, also Willian, even now. Even now, can you know what happened? Can you know what like a hat that's a rappella, some of you guys. Tell your neighbor you better put action to your words or something. You know? <laughs> so move into implementation. Implementation will, will force you to turn goals into actionable steps. Work on your goals and act on your ideas. Colossians 3.23, listen to what it says. It says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not as unto men. So, get into action mode. Break down your implementation into small steps. You know, what am I going to do daily to get closer to my vision? What am I going to do on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis? Because if you do that, then you, you, you account for the days of your life. Isn't it strange, Baheso, that in this world of unfairness and inequality, there's one thing where all of us were equal when it comes to it, that's in the amount of time we have. Nobody has been is disenfranchised or marginalized when it comes to time. But isn't it amazing that you can have people in the same house, raised by the same parents, sometimes going to the same school and to the same church, and when you look at the outcomes of their lives, it's not the same. One big difference. You find that the one person has a vision and they implement that vision. The other one even if they are hearing all of this, they're not doing anything about what they're hearing. But I have a sense that I'm looking at people who are going to do something about what God's telling them. So move forward. Take those risks. Don't allow fear to stop you to follow through on your vision. Take risks. Strive to accomplish your dreams, no matter how difficult. Know that as you move on, you're going to experience obstacles. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You'll have voices that speak to you. Sometimes a, a voice inside that says you can't do that. Sometimes there's people around who, whose job is to tell you that you cannot. All right? But, you know, if you're a person of vision, you just let them talk. You just go ahead and do what you're going to do anyhow. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes there's an uncle somewhere who, ever since you were two years old, they were telling you, Huru, you'll never go anywhere. And sometimes we allow what has been said about us to control our lives. Some of them have passed on and you are allowing someone to still have a remote control, controlling your life from the grave. Move on with your vision. Number three, exercise your faith. Exercise your faith. Using your faith will keep you from giving up when it gets tough, when you are working on the dream. Hebrews chapter 10 says, verse 35 and 36, do not cast away therefore your confidence which has great recompense of reward. Verse 36. For you have need of patience. Somebody say patience. patience. Look at your neighbor and say patience. patience. Look at your other neighbor and say patience. patience. You know, I, I love our African languages because some of these words are better. They carry weight better in our African languages, you know. You know, you know. The, 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 the patience is kondelela. Look at your neighbor and say kondelela, kondelela. Yeah, tell your neighbor, do a lot of kondeleling. Just... You, 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 you have need of kondeleling. You have need of patience. Note that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Very often people, and, and, and let me backtrack a bit. Patience is not just about waiting there for a long time. 
Okay, but patience in Bible terms means consistency and doing the same thing again and again. There are times when you have to be so committed to your mission and to your vision that you still continue doing what you should be doing, even if it looks like you're not making any headway. All buildings, like this building, when this building was built, they, what they did was they, they, they built it, putting one brick on top of the other, they built it one brick at a time. That's how you build your life, one brick at a time. You know, and it's unfortunate we live in a world where everything is so fast and everything is so instant, you know, that this, this attribute of patience is no longer part of our lives. But when it comes to visions, sisters and brothers, you need to be patient. Amen. Amen. And when it takes long, sometimes people close shop and they start another project. You know, because they have Operation Chahile. Do you know Operation Chahile? Yeah, you know, sometimes we are so much in a hurry, we just want to get there yesterday. But there are things that need patience. Somebody said, sometimes we close down our visions because we assume that the vision is wrong. But sometimes it's just the strategy that's wrong. Sometimes it takes longer than what you thought. So, exercise faith. Number four, pray for your dream. Okay, pray on it. As much as I talked about using prayers and escape, but pray for it, pray over your vision. And I'll tell you what I mean. Matthew 21, 22 says, whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. See, when you pray, you open yourself to God's guidance. Watch this now. This is important. This is important. When you read the lives of people like Joseph and many others, and, and, and when you look at your life as well in, in terms of things that have come about in your life, you'll note something that oftentimes the vision that became accomplished had a lot of obstacles to it. God showed you that you need to move from here to there, but you didn't get to your destination in a straight line. All right? There were a lot of detours on the way, a lot of obstacles and, and all of that. Almost like when you're driving down the road and, 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 and then you get to a point where they, they give you a detour because the rest of the road is under construction. So, so they give you a detour. So when you're, when you're driving down that detour, you have to keep your eyes open to the signage. Or otherwise, you're going to get lost in the jungle. All right. Now, if you, if, you, if you stay with the signage, you'll get back on the road, and definitely you will reach your destination. This is what prayer is. When you pray, God will continue giving you guidance and directions. See, in times when it looks like nothing is happening, because there are times when it doesn't look like anything is happening when it comes to vision. Think about Joseph. God told him he's going to rule over his brothers. He was 16 years old when God spoke to him. You know, 16 years old. And the next thing that happens, he is thrown into a pit, he is sold into slavery, and he ends up in jail. Now, if you're Joseph, you and me, we have the benefit of reading the full story. But when, when he was going through what he was going through, he didn't know what's going on. He didn't know what's going on. But thankfully for Joseph, he didn't allow himself to disconnect with God. Sometimes when things don't work out, we disconnect with God. We stop praying. We stop reading the Bible. We, we stop hanging around with Christian people. We stop going to church because we think it's not going to happen. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I see God directing your steps in Jesus' name. So God wants, us, wants to lead us into the ways that are pleasing to him if you are willing to follow him. And number five, and as I conclude, 
Have bold obedience. In other words, have the courage to do what God shows you to do. Have that courage. Have bold obedience to do the things that God requires you to do immediately. You know, when you read the Bible, it's interesting. The life of David is a very interesting life because he was engaged in so many battles and so many wars. And, and every time he, he came up against a situation and a challenge, he would take time to pray. And it's quite interesting that God never told him to do the same thing or use the same strategy twice. God never did that. But whatever God told him to do, when he obeyed and did what God told him to do and he had the boldness to do what God told him to do, the vision did come to pass. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He went out not knowing where he is going. Obey what God tells you to do. Listen to what God tells you to do. And so, if you don't spend time in prayer, there's a chance you may miss that signage that says, turn left, or that says, obstruction ahead. You may miss that signage that says, slow down a bit. You may miss that signage. So, so often people just plan and we don't pray. We don't listen to what God says. As I told you some time ago, I still think so much about the sense of agency that came in my heart in the year 2000 about us starting construction on this building. We bought this site in 1996 and uh, the, you know, as you know, with every site that you have, you need to go through a process of rezoning and uh, subdividing. We did all of that and the place was approved that we can build a church building on it but then it had to go through all the different departments. But there was delays and delays. I mean, from 1996 until 2000. And when 2000 came, I remember there was just one. Everything had been approved except the signature from the authority, the final signature. I don't remember who it was, but there was just this one signature. And we waited for the one signature for, for one year, one year, six months. One person, one signature, one, one, one signature. Everything has been approved. When it comes to the, 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 the water, the, the servitudes, electricity, everything, sewage, everything, the plants, everything good except the signature. You know. And then I remember one day as I was praying, I just sensed an urge in my heart to say, you know what, why don't we ask the authorities to give us permission to start construction because technically speaking, <laughs> everything has been approved. I remember that and I remember speaking to our leadership. I said, you know, we can make that request to the council. Also, thank God they, they, they agreed. They said, no problem. Uh, you can start construction and we did start construction. So 2000, we, built, we started construction. 2001, we completed, took us a whole year to build this first phase and so we came in here 26th of October. I remember that Sunday. Oh, my goodness. Just, just incredible. So we're here. We're in the church, blah, 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 blah. And then a, a, a year later, no, 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 a, two weeks later, someone comes on, on this site here. And uh, they were not happy at all. And they were saying things that were not very Christian to us. 
You're not happy at all. And this brother was saying all kinds of things. And I wanted to know what's wrong. And then he says, no, you've built on our site. Hey, Kanjani, we haven't built on your site. No, no, it's a year later after we got the title deed. So just a week after we got the title deed. Kanjani says, you've built on my site. I said, no, we don't. So he said all kinds. I said, look, let me show you the title deed. So I showed him the title deed. I said, bon, nane, we didn't build on your site. And then he became worse with the expletives. So blah, 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 blah. I won't repeat it. We're in church. But he said, oh. And then he left, and then, then we found out that for some reason, we don't know what happened, as we were negotiating for this side, he was also negotiating for the same side, same time. Now, don't ask me how, I don't know. But not only that, in his instance, he had exchanged his side, given away the other side for this one. So he was promised to be given this side, but for whatever reason, he delayed like some of you. <laughs> he was still praying about doing something. He delayed, he, he delayed. So for whatever reason, that sense of agency I felt in prayer. See, there's something that God knows that you don't know, my brother and my sister. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And, 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 and so when he was delaying, this side we were doing Operation Shashisa, amen. You know, every time I stand here, I always think about this. Exactly what the mother of Jesus told them at the wedding at Cana. Whatsoever he says, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. So as you pray over the vision, as God inspires you and speaks to your heart, whatsoever he says, do it. God will guide you even when it comes to how to assist, how to help your children who are disobedient, how to change the situation in your home, how to change things at work and, and God will inspire you. God will show you to do things and whatever he says, do it. You know why? Paul says, being confident of this, that that which God started in you, he will bring it to completion. It's God who gave you that vision. It's God who started that mission and God is committed to finishing that if you will just stay with God. Can I hear an Amen. And your vision and what God has given you as a vision will come to pass because God is committed to you. I'm going to ask you to hold hands with someone next to you. I, Dr. Miles Monroe, first time I saw him do this, it's left such an impression on my heart and I want to do it here as we are concluding. Hold somebody's hand next to you. Hold somebody's hand. Now, the hand that you're holding is the hand of someone who is an original. Nobody has the same fingerprints as that person. They are not original. Nobody has the same DNA as them. Nobody has the same voice pattern as them. Nobody has the same when it comes to the iris of their eyes. So you're holding the hand of an original. I just want you to feel how the original feels as you, as you squeeze the hand just a little bit. That's how an original feels. But that person is someone with vision that God's given to them. And the reason they're here on earth is to fulfill that vision. Sometimes we go through difficulty. Sometimes we let go of our vision. Sometimes we get discouraged. 
What I want to ask you to do today is just to take time to pray for them. Pray for them that they'll be strong in fulfilling vision. Pray for them that should they be discouraged, that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon them and encourage them. Pray for them that if they haven't yet done anything about their vision, that God will inspire them to get into action mode from today. Just take a few minutes and just pray for them. Just pray for them. Whatever language you want to use, pray for them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pray for them in the name of Jesus. I pray for my sister. I pray for my brother. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit will rest upon their lives. I pray, Father, that they will not be discouraged. If they're going through a difficult time right now, I pray that they will know that you are on their side. Pray for them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Demonstrate your Lordship over their lives, Father. May they know that you'll never leave them, you'll never forsake them. Oh, Jesus. As we close, I want to pray for you today. You are here. You've been invited. Maybe you've come on your own. It might be your first time. It might not be your first time. But as you've been listening to God's word, you've thought about your life. When you look at your life, you realize that, you know what? Truth being told, my life is not pleasing to God. I'm not living in a way that honors God. You may have tried in the past to correct things and to do what's right, but it's almost like the life has just spiraled out of control. Not only that, you feel a sense of emptiness. You feel in your heart like you're far from God. You sense in your heart like maybe God doesn't love me or God hasn't received me. And when you look at your life, you wonder, what, what's going to happen to me when I pass? Will my life be safe in the hands of God? Our heads bowed and our eyes closed, please. I want to pray for you this morning, if it is that you have that sense of feeling. Because you see, the only way to answer that question is to invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. To change you and to make you a child of God. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I want to give you opportunity today just for you to respond and say, you know what? I need prayer. 
I want to settle this question once and for all. I want to invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. I want my life to be pleasing to God. I want God to change me, transform me, forgive me of my sins and my wrongs and make me his own child. If you are there and you need prayer, right where you are, would you just indicate by raising your hand, right where you are, just raise it up. I want to pray for you right now. Thank you for those hands. Raise them up. Don't be afraid at all. No shame at all. Even the people who are outside, just raise your hands. I see them right there in the dome. Just raise your hand. In the foyer, right at the back. God bless you. Raise your hands. That's what it's about. You see, that's why we congregate here. We are here to give God our broken lives. To say to God, you know what God, I tried in my own strength. You're the only one who can transform my life. Thank you for those who have raised your hands. May I ask you please, could you please stand on your feet right where you are please. Just go ahead and just stand on your feet. If you raise your hand, just stand on your feet right where you are. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the way. That's the way. That's the way. All over the place, even right at the back. Right at the back. That's the way. Amen. Amen. See, we, 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 we are not ashamed to make a public stance for Jesus Christ. We are not ashamed to take that stand and say, Lord, it's me. All right. This is what I want to do. Uh, I'd like to pray with all of you who are standing. So I'm going to ask you just to walk. Even the people right at the back there. If you can walk from where you are, come to and take your belongings. All right. Take all your belongings, your Bible, your back. Just come. Even people at the back, just walk to the front. Everybody walk to the front. That's the way to encourage them. Hallelujah.